Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. This month, we are talking all about systems, and today has to be one of my favorite because it is about crafting systems that help you as a teacher become efficient and less stressed. Mm, Which is something we all need. But first, let's hear a time-sucking hurdle from Katie from Canada, Canada, America's hat, which... Bridget and I are pretty sure that this is the Katie that came to our Teaching on the Double live event. Hi, Katie. (laughs) It's really embarrassing if we're wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this is Katie. I mean, there can't be that many Katies in Canada Canada. that listen to us. (laughs) Come on now. Come on. Seriously. Anyway, Katie says, I love listening to your podcast each week. Thank you for your ongoing advice, encouragement, inspiration, and sharing new learning with your listeners. Sorry, I'm wiping away a tear. Paper, paper, paper is my DSH. Mm. I regret not going paperless from the beginning. I'm wanting to go through my files to ensure I do, in fact, have everything on my drive and that it's organized, scan and upload what I don't have that I would like, and recycle the rest. This is such a huge project to do, and I don't know where to start. I'm tempted to toss everything into the recycling bin. I'm laughing because I've had those exact same thoughts, Mm -hmm. but I know I would likely regret that. Where do you suggest I start to tackle this project? Thanks in advance from Katie in Canada. You know, I'm very curious as to what Michelle's going to end up telling you. But here is what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be that friend right now. And I'm going to say, listen, if you haven't touched it in a year, throw Mm. it away and Mm. don't look back. Just mm, preach it. I'm just saying, like, if it's from another Take teacher, if you haven't done anything with it, please, dear Lord, just throw it away. Because I am one of those people, I will hoard it. I will look mm-hmm. at it and be like, oh, but what if? Oh, mm-hmm. maybe I'm going to need it. And my heart will start to like flutter and I can feel the anxiety rising in me. And so when I had my kindergarten binders, if we just all want to go back and relive some of those days with my basement. <laughs> The kindergarten binders in my basement, I struggled so hard to let that go. And finally, I just looked at my husband and I was kind of almost teary eyed and I was like, just throw it away. Just throw it away. Just throw it away. Just I don't want to look at it. Just throw it away. And I threw it away and I haven't needed it. And I haven't really even thought about it until just now. So I'm going to tell you that if you have not touched it in a year, throw it away and don't look back. And then everything that I feel like we talk about in this episode is going to really help guide you with everything else. Lady, we are on the same page here. Okay. (laughs) So this made me think of the sunk cost fallacy. Bridget, do you know the sunk cost fallacy? Listen, girl, I didn't even know what Tia was in the last episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the sunk cost fallacy is essentially where you, and when I say cost, it could be actual money or it could be like time, but you have sunk time or money into something. And so you feel like you want to get your money back or like your time back and be able to use it, but you're not using it. And then it's, it just becomes more of a hindrance. So for example, let's say you bought a clothing item and you spent money on it but it has hung in your closet and you've never worn it Yeah, because either it no longer fits you or Mm -hmm. your style has changed, but you don't want to get rid of it because you're like, I spent good money on it. But in reality, it's just sitting in your closet collecting dust. Like it's not serving you. So that's kind of what this reminded me of. 
And it's funny, Bridget mentions the whole, like, if you haven't touched it in a year, it makes me think of the suggestion with your closet where you turn all of your hangers the opposite way so that instead of like where you just hook it on the hook, you would hook it from the back. And then after a year, any clothing items that are still backwards, that means you haven't worn them in a year because once you wear them and put them back, you put it back the normal Mm -hmm. way, then you can get rid of those items unless it's something like super, super random and niche that you only wear like once every couple of years. I don't know what that would be, but I'm sure there's something out there. It's just a way to kind of know what you're actually using versus what you're not. To me, unless you can specifically name a file that's within all of those papers that you're like, oh yeah, I need that. Get rid of it. If there is something specific, go in and find that item and keep it. But otherwise, like if you don't even know what's in there, you're not using it. And I think it's okay just to get rid of it. Honestly, the relief that would come from just recycling all of this stuff is worth it. Along the way, there might be one or two things where you're like, oh wait, I think I had that in there. However, it probably won't take you that much time or energy just to like make it again or find a new copy. Because if anything, things that are really dated, we look back and we're like, oh, I don't even want to use this anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm also team just get rid of us. Now, don't come back for us. Okay. Something (laughs) really important gets, gets thrown out. But personally, that's what I would do. All right. We're on the same page, guys. Love it. All right. Okay, so as a reminder, we're defining systems as routines, templates, and a step-by-step process for helping to make daily tasks as efficient as possible. It's something we mentioned in our episode 193, and in 194, we talked all about students, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to go into that in my bullet, and I just took that from you. I snatched that from you. Steal my (laughs) thunder. Just take it. So here's the thing to remember. Systems turn an input into an output, like a factory turns lumber into a chair. And so combine procedures with an organizational component to help really increase that efficiency. Now, as Bridget just mentioned in our last episode, she just stole from me. Sorry. Oh, I was, I I thought you were saying that I was stealing it from you, but no, I see what you're saying. You should have said she stole that from me. But remember, in episode 193, I was the good cop. So I'm going to remain the good cop here. (laughs) I'm going to let you be the bad cop. Anyway, episode 194, it was three must-have student systems for an efficient classroom. We shared ideas for establishing systems for student assignments, materials, and absent work. So in this episode, we want to take a closer look at teacher systems you need to develop in order to be more efficient. Obviously, there are so many systems that you will have in your classroom, so we're going to focus just on the three, top three, if you will, major systems that consume the largest portion of your time as a teacher. And these are things we haven't gone into as much detail in past episodes on. For example, I would say lesson planning is a huge system that you need to build as a teacher, but we've done a lot of episodes on lesson planning. So if you're interested in that, go back and check out episode 141. It's titled Lesson Planning 101, How to Plan More Lessons in Less Time. 
in this episode, we're going to focus on some other systems that maybe haven't gotten as much attention. Yeah. So we're going to start with Paperflow as our first system to really look at and create as a teacher. So let's talk about paper because this has to be the biggest challenge when it comes to teaching. And I'm having like a flashback moment of the Rugrats episode when Tommy and his friends were like dreaming about being adults and they were like paper pushers. Do you remember that? Paper pushers? I do. And I remember that episode kind of scaring me because the adults were like massive. Were so weird. Yeah. And right? it was it was like a dream from what I remember. Yeah. Well, yeah, you said yeah, yeah, dreaming. Yeah. It was like they were dreaming about it, I think. It, it was a little weird. It was a Super funky episode. Strange, but that's literally <laughs> what I'm thinking of as I was like thinking of this episode. I'm like, oh, we're paper pushers. <laughs> and so as teachers, we are paper pushers <laughs> because we have them coming in from so many different directions, right? We deal with copies that we make, assignments that we collect, meeting notes, procedures, reference materials, curriculum, and just the list feels like it just goes on and on and on. So how can we manage all of this without feeling like we're swimming in it each day? We're going to break these down into three big areas. And you have your everyday teaching materials, your materials coming in from students, and then you have your reference materials that you will use to like plan, etc. So we're going to start by sharing some ideas for managing those teaching materials. Those would be the things you actually use within your lessons. So this might include copies you're making, activity materials like task cards or game materials, whatever you are using within the lesson. You might have a set of drawers where you organize your copies based on the day of the week or maybe by the block if you teach multiple groups of students. So you might have a separate drawer for each different class you teach. And after you make your weekly copies, you might then sort them into those correct drawers. I've also seen where some teachers, instead of drawers, they might use bins or like stacked trays. I always felt like my trays got a little saggy over time. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So I really like the drawers because they kind of kept it hidden. Now, if you have your life together enough to make copies beyond just the upcoming week, first of all, pat yourself on the back. That's a huge victory. But you might also have a drawer or a bin where you put like future copies. And then once that week starts, you sort it into like the daily drawers or those different class drawers. As a part of the system, you might have a chunk of time at the end of the day on like Friday afternoons where you're doing that and moving them to the right spots or maybe going and making your copies and you put them right in and pulling out any materials that you need from other places in the classroom and putting them in the drawer so they're all in one place. Another system, Bridget has shared about this before, it's how I first learned about it, but it comes from the book Getting Things Done by David Mm -hmm. Allen, right? Okay. So this is called the 43 folder system. Essentially, you have a folder for each month of the year. So you would have a folder labeled January, February, March, and so on. Then you also have a folder for each potential day of the month. So they would be numbered from one to 31 because 31 is the maximum number of days in a month. Obviously, not every month has 31 days. In those cases, you wouldn't use like the 31 folder, but you have enough spots in case the month does have 31 days. Then from there, you would have a daily routine where you are like going into the folder for that day of the month. So if it is December 3rd, you are going into the number three folder to get any papers you need for that day. But then you would also have a monthly routine where you are then taking any papers from the monthly folder. So if it is December 3rd, any papers you're going to use in January as you start making those copies or pulling them from different places, 
you would have them in the January folder. So at the end of December, you would take that January folder and sort those papers into the daily folders, so the ones with the numbers, based on when you plan to use those papers or teach those lessons. I think, did we have, we should do like a whole episode, I feel we like, should. on the 43 folder system. I love the 43 folder system, and I'm sad that I'm not using it this year. Yeah, I feel like it could even apply to like your life at home, like with bills and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We're going to add that to our list. But (laughs) if you are using mostly digital assignments, you might have a time set aside where you sit down and schedule everything for the week or even for the month on your LMS. I do want to point out that once you have that organizational component figured out, the system is going to be a lot more like routine centric, meaning you kind of go into autopilot and you just go through the procedures and that will benefit you, especially if you utilize like batching in order to get large chunks done at one time. So now we're going to talk about the second part, which is what about those paper materials that are coming from students? These might be papers that go to the office, notes that you get from families, forms that you have to complete, and of course, papers that you are grading and assessing student learning. So start by defining the location that you have for each of these various types of papers. So for example, don't put graded papers and papers that go to the office all in one spot because something is going to end up getting lost. And then little Tommy won't go home the right way. And then you're going to have, you're going to be in so much trouble. So did you pick Tommy because of Rugrats? I have no idea. I feel like there was a connection there. Tommy Pickles is, okay, nice. (laughs) There's a connection there. Oh gosh. I'm so predictable. All right. Have a location that really just helps to separate all of these different areas, right? So any notes that that go to the office can go inside of a folder that students can place in there immediately versus them putting it directly into your hands. I felt like I was always reacting as if a kid had like COVID and they would try to hand me stuff and I'm like, ew, no, uh, no, where does that go? (laughs) Ew, where does that go? Go put it where it needs to go. I would never want to take it. I'm like, "Mm -mm, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. And so before the folder goes to the office, I do recommend taking out any papers and then just initialing them to confirm that you have seen that note and you are aware of that communication before it heads off. And then you need to have a way to know who has submitted and who has not submitted the items that you are requesting from them each day. And so one way to do this is by having like, I like the half sheet of paper, like the vertical half sheet of paper list with my students' names on it. And it's like a simple checklist. Or you could even use like a grade book that just kind of fits your style. But what you could do is you could clip this checklist onto the papers directly and then have, you know, check them off as students are submitting them or cross their names off that list. Or if you're using some form of like digital planner or something like that, you're just kind of checking them off as you're clipping them into one pile. You might also have a separate location for each class block to keep these separate. So once you collect these, place them into a system that helps to keep you on track with what you do with them next. So we'll dive a little bit more into grading systems uh, later on in this episode, but this will kind of combine with that piece. 
And then finally, let's chat about those reference materials. So reference materials includes like your curriculum books, any printed or online curriculum document, maybe like a scope and sequence, basically all the materials that are given to you by the school or district that you need to reference when you are lesson planning. If these are mostly physical materials, you might have a dedicated cabinet and hopefully it can be located near where you plan to be lesson planning. That way they are stored and accessed in the same spot and you don't have to move them from one side of the room to the other. If you have too many materials for a single cabinet or maybe you just don't have any kind of a storage place right where you need it by your desk, you might establish almost like a rotation system where maybe you have like a bin on your desk. I'm currently looking over to my left. I have these like white, I think they're called magazine bins from Ikea. I'm using them to hold like cardstock, but they're great for holding like books and folders and things. You might have one on your desk and maybe each month you change out the books that are in there based on what you need for that month. And you would have to make that part of your monthly routine. If you go to another classroom or another spot in the school to be able to plan and you need to take materials with you, or maybe you're just going to meetings, whatever it is, first of all, create a checklist of all the things you need to bring with you. That way, in those moments where you're kind of scrambling, you can just check off and make sure you have what you need. You might also just have a designated bag that you keep in your room with those materials already inside, or maybe you have duplicates of some of the materials. That way, you can just grab the bag and go whenever it's time to go to the meetings. It kind of makes me think about when I travel. I have a separate hairdryer that I use for travel, although I finally started embracing the hairdryer that hotels give you. But anyway, I have a separate one so that I could get it packed away and ready when I was still using my other hairdryer like the morning of and I didn't have to scramble and put it in my suitcase. Um, again, you might want to have a monthly routine where you kind of swap out the materials in the bag as needed, depending on what you're planning at that time. If your materials are mostly digital, then you might want to consider bookmarking the different websites that you need or setting a group of tabs to open automatically in your browser in order to save you time. If you're not sure how to do that, literally just Google, like if you use Google Chrome, Google Chrome tabs grouped and it will come up and show you step by step exactly what you need to do. And we're going to take a break so you can quickly Google that. <laughs> and then when we come back, I'm going to jump us in, jump us in, throw us in, whatever. We're going to jump lead in. Us. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to lead you into the next one. This month is all about systems. And one of the biggest systems teachers have to master is planning. Oh, absolutely. Between lesson planning and organizing those monthly routines, it can be a lot to manage. <laughs> that makes me think of Michael Scott's book, Somehow I Manage. <laughs> but anyway, we developed our digital teacher planners to make that system much easier for you. Yes, we did, guys. And our digital planners have tons of templates ready to go so the organization is done for you. Plus, don't we have a freebie to help with that monthly routine, Michelle? You know we love a good freebie. So yes, we have a monthly review planner insert that you can use with any digital planner. And it's completely free over on teachingonthedouble.com. When you get there, just scroll down a little and you'll see it right there on the homepage. You can have it sent to your email right away. Go grab that freebie. And now back to the episode. 
We're back. And the second teacher system we want to hit on is grading, which Mm. I mean, it's every teacher's favorite, right? No, I hated it. (laughs) Good, because obviously I'm being sarcastic. But regardless, grading is part of the job. And it's important to have a system in place that will allow you to keep track of all of the assignments, meaning you're not losing papers or getting different classes mixed up and have them graded in a timely fashion so that you can return them to students to review and then ultimately keep track of that missing work because again, I mentioned this in a previous episode, your gradebook will look like a piece of Swiss cheese without it. It will have so many holes from missing assignments. And the last thing you wanna do is wait until the very end of the quarter and then suddenly you're trying to grade everything and get all that missing work done. It's better just to stay on top of it. I hated that. So (laughs) we already touched on keeping track of assignments um, that students are turning in, but we are now going to really focus on the actual grading of the papers, returning them, and then keeping track of that missing work. So let's start with grading because you got to grade it before you can return it and then figure out what's missing. One idea is you might keep an ongoing checklist of all the assignments that you need to grade for that marking period. This could be done in a Google Doc. It could just be like a list of the assignments and Google Docs will allow you to create like checklist bullets basically. And now you can even choose that when you check it off, it'll either cross off the item or it'll just check the checkbox, which is really nice just to have that variation. You could also do it in like the notes app of your phone or Google keep, just find something that works for you. You might also have a drawer where you are placing the papers that need to be graded. So basically once students turn it into the turn in bin, those papers get moved to your grade drawer and Little tip for you, have a student do this for you, okay? You don't need to be the one doing this. You can train a student, that sounds awful to word it that way, but for lack of better terms, you can train a student to put the papers in alphabetical order. So you can either have a list of the roster and the order they need to put them, or if your students write their numbers on their paper, it makes it much easier to put it in alphabetical order. They can then binder clip it. My students even knew like which binder clip color was for each different class that I taught. And then they put it right into your grade bin. And then that way, when you sit down to grade the papers, they're already in alphabetical order and it makes it that much easier to put in your grade book. Ah, I can hear the hallelujah chorus. Now, you might also have set materials like specific pens that you use to grade or an easy grader. I love my easy grader. I know there are apps that will tell you the percentages and all that, but I love just like my standard easy grader. Agreed. (laughs) You might also have like stamps that you use for comments that you're constantly writing on student assignments, which if you don't have stamps for that, go on Amazon. You can get custom stamps made for very, very cheap. Or you might have like stickers that you're placing on papers. I suggest keeping these materials all in one place so they're easy for you to access. And then setting up some kind of a routine. So maybe you make a cup of coffee or you grab your bag that has all of your papers and you go sit somewhere comfy to be able to grade. You might have it within a weekly routine where you're gonna set aside like one to two planning periods to be able to grade or just chunks of time within your day. Or maybe you get your grading done like all in the morning before your students come or in those little gaps of time that just kind of come up on a daily basis, like you're waiting for a meeting to start. Whatever works for you, but find that routine and try to stick to it. And 
then have that routine of once they're graded, you put them in the grade book, you add those stickers, whatever it is you want to do, and then you have a designated place where you're going to place them in order to return to students, which I know Bridget is going to take us into. Yeah. So now that you have it graded, you need to return those graded papers <laughs> or do something with them. So you might have a very specific day for your students to receive their work. And this ensures that families are aware of when work is going to be coming home, which is really nice. So establish that day very early on. And the beauty is, is that it will also ensure that it's holding you accountable so that you can keep up your end of the deal. You might also assign helpers for passing out work during a specific day. So at the end of the day, during snack or during the morning, all options are good for this system. You just need to figure out which one works best for you. So another component is going to be for this system is determining what students are going to be doing with those papers once that once it is in their hands. One strategy is to have them take a have like a take home folder where students will place their papers to take home and then leave home in a very specific side pocket. So I would often walk around and just make sure that my students were placing their papers where they needed to go uh, because it's inevitable you're going to have a kid that doesn't put it in the right spot. So for example, I would have my students take out their home folders and then as students were passing back work, I would walk around to ensure that all the materials needed to be in the folder that it needs to be in. And this also gave me the ability to like help kids clean things out because there are just going to be some families that do not look at their home folder all year long. And so if it's still there from last week, throw it away just throw it away. Um, Another option is to have a student mailbox system. So if your students have assigned numbers, then you can have them place this inside of their, or place it in order once it's graded and then have them quickly place it into their mailboxes. And then as students pack up at the very end of the day, you, you can walk around and just check to make sure that they're taking those papers out of their mailboxes and then placing it in their folders. I personally really liked this routine because I could quickly see which students did not have their papers and which ones needed to come. I could be like, hey, so-and-so, come get your papers, come get your papers, come get your papers. And it just made things very efficient because I could just go ahead and pass them out and have it done. And I wouldn't have to wait on students, you know, to pass out the papers for me. Yeah. When I taught second grade, I had plastic mailboxes they were like you know slots I will say they can take up a lot of space and when I switched to fourth grade my classroom was much smaller so I ended up using like a file box and I had a file folder for each student and again this was a student job where they would take those graded papers and put them into the correct folders and the folders were numbered so I could reuse them from year to year and then my students would literally call up the students to come get their graded papers and put in their take-home folder And then within their take-home folder, I, at the beginning of the year, would staple a paper that would stay in there all year, and it had a spot for each week I was going to send home papers. So I think we called it like their Thursday folder. So every Thursday, Mm, it had the date, and the someone from the family would have to sign to acknowledge that they received the papers. And then we had like a, a cup kudo system. So it was like they'd earn stamps and they could redeem them for different things. When they returned the folder signed, they would get a cup kudo. So it was like an incentive for yeah. them. But inevitably, you will have missing work. So let's chat a little bit about keeping track of that missing work. You might utilize some kind of a checklist, whether it's a physical like paper checklist where you check off students as they submit assignments. 
where Bridget already mentioned having like just a thin kind of column sheet that has your students listed. Mm -hmm. So you could fit like two to three on one page and just cut them apart and like binder clip it with all the papers and you check students off. But you can also do this digitally. I love to use Google Sheets for these checklists because you can set it with conditional formatting to highlight the cells that are missing. And then it makes it really easy to pinpoint which students have missing assignments. And keep in mind, you could have a separate checklist for each assignment or keep it all together on one kind of like spreadsheet or paper. You might have an ongoing list within like a Google Doc or the Notes app of just like those missing students and what assignments they're missing. Like after you grade an assignment, you might kind of jot down, okay, this was the unit three quiz and I still need it from Tommy, Angelica, and Susie. I'm going back to Rugrats characters. Of course. (laughs) You might have a list of students who are missing just on like a sticky note that maybe is by your computer or somewhere else where you're going to visibly see it pretty often. Or you might have a slide where you keep track of missing work. So personally, I would reuse a slide for ketchup and pickles every single week. So ketchup was a list of all the assignments and which students were missing those assignments. And then pickles was a list of activities the students who didn't have missing work could pick. You might also have like a specific routine where you're going to review part of your LMS for missing assignments of like, hey, this student hasn't turned it in. Or if you utilize like the gradebook function of your LMS, like maybe you scan it once a week and make a note of which students are missing which assignments. Maybe your students are given a list either weekly or monthly or even quarterly with just like a printout from your gradebook of like, hey, here are your missing assignments. A lot of gradebooks will let you just like print out missing assignment lists. And then you might also send emails to families periodically with students who are missing assignments. And it's like, hey, it's nearing the end of the quarter. Your student is missing these assignments. And then maybe you give them like, hey, here's what I'm planning to meet with them to work on it. Or here's what I need them to get done at home, whatever it is that you're going to do. Grading was such a hard area for me. Grading and emails were really, really big challenges for me. Because it's never ending. It's never ending. (laughs) But I feel like towards the very end of like, my time in the classroom, I started getting really, really good at it. Thanks yeah, it to Schoology. Practice. Thanks to Schoology. Schoology helped me tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we're going to be in the final area that we're talking about, which is professional development. And so as educators, prof- like education professionals, we are consistently inundated with this like load of information about like buzzwords and procedures that are constantly changing inside of our practices. And so this means that we need to create systems for helping us to capture this information and then reference it so that it doesn't just fly into the abyss. So Hmm. here are some of the things uh, that we need to really kind of think about and consider. So this might be attending meetings, PDs, or even like reading new materials independently, establishing those systems that will help you with using this information versus just losing it is going to be really, really important. So we're each going to share a specific way that we like to be able to pull in um, and organize our professional development meetings. So within my Google Drive, I had a folder labeled PD, and this is where I would store all my PD materials. 
every time I went to a meeting, I would create a Google Doc and I would take notes within that meeting. I made sure I like titled it and I had the date for when that meeting took place. Typically, I had a template that I would just reuse each time and I had a couple different templates depending on the meeting because they were like data meetings and then more like staff mm-hmm. meetings. So I kind of developed different templates. But once I had those, all I had to do was make a copy If there were any handouts that were given during the meeting that I wanted to be able to reference, because sometimes they had handouts and you're like, yeah, I don't need this. But if I did want to reference it, I would take a picture and add it right into the Google Doc. Or if I only needed a small chunk of information from the handout, I would just like retype it into the Google Doc. But I like to have it all in one place so I could easily reference it. Sometimes I would use the scan feature on my phone. So within the notes app of your phone, you can scan a document and it will turn it into like a PDF. And I would then upload it into that Google Drive folder. But I'll be honest, there weren't too many things where I needed that. A lot of times it was just the information and I would just snap a picture or retype it. If there was a paper copy of something I needed to keep, I did have a binder in the cabinet above my desk and it was like reference papers and materials that I needed for like the school and district. And I had a bunch of like blank page protectors in there and I would just slip it into the page protector in order to protect it because that's what page protectors do. But I loved having as much digital as possible because then it was searchable. So I could easily search my Google Drive and it would pull up any notes that I had taken, but it could also search within the images. Mm -hmm. So if the image had text, it would be able to, to search and find it, which was really nice. And I will say, I tried to do as much of this during the meeting as possible instead of saying, oh, I'll do this later when I get back to my room because we all know that that wasn't going to happen. So in real time, I would make sure I snapped those pictures, scanned those documents, added them into Google Drive. And I could do all that from my phone if I really yeah. wanted to. Yeah. So I did something very similar to Michelle. Um, I really love using the notes app on my computer. And so I would create a folder for my school and then I would create a note for the meeting that I would have. And so I would take notes just like Michelle would within like her Google Doc. And then I would use that scan feature in notes if I had any form of just documents that they would give me and I would just scan it. I would also add in um, links to like Google Drive or to like Google Documents or if they sent me like a share, a presentation or something. And what's nice is that it gives you such a really pretty (laughs) like icon in notes, which I love. Um, So it'll tell you like, here's like the PowerPoint for this and then you can click on it automatically takes you there. And then you can upload PDFs as well into your notes app. And what's nice is that you can scroll through it. So I really, really enjoy Mm -hmm. that feature. Um, So I would add my PDFs to the notes app to the notes app that I have. And then it would just I could create like any list of running to do's. Um, But one of the biggest things that I would have to do is take those running to do's and then transfer them over into my like Google tasks, which is where I would really keep track of all of my to do's. But one of the biggest questions that I have, and this is one that I'm really trying to play with a little bit more this year, is that I'm reading a lot more professional development books because of the position that I have now. I mean, I think they gave me four books that I have to read. And so I would be really interested and I would love to know if everybody else would be interested if you would like to hear like how would we organize learning from a professional development book 
Yeah, I think we should do an episode on that because I have completely changed my system for that this year. I've done and two I really, really ones. like. Okay, I've done like two different things and I'm not loving it so far. Okay. Yeah, let's do an episode on that let's because do that. I have been sticking with the same system since the start of 2023. So we're coming up on a year and yeah. I've really liked it. I've been able to like maintain it. Hmm. So, okay. Okay. Well, those are the three must-have teacher systems outside of lesson planning, because again, we have other podcast episodes on that, but we covered paper flow and how to push the papers and be able to manage them. We talked about grading and then also managing all of those professional development materials and also the information that comes with it. So we really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Just as a reminder, we're going to leave links to some of the previous episodes that we mentioned, 141, which is Lesson Planning 101, 193, which is Systems 101, and then 194, which is where we talked about student systems to help create an efficient classroom in our show notes so you guys can go and check those out. While you're there, click on the link to go and check out our website. It's teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store TSH. I don't know where I was going with that, guys. Just go to teachingonthedouble.com, okay? <laughs> we would love for you to just check out some of the offerings that we have there for you. We have some free stuff for you. We have some things that you can purchase to help kind of create a more efficient and effective system for yourself this year. And we would love to know what is your time sucking hurdle? What is the thing that is sucking up all of your time? We really do like to read through those. It helps to inspire a lot of our podcast episodes. So you can be featured right here on the podcast and you can get an answer from us. Um, we would also like that if you have not already, subscribe to the podcast. It's totally free and you will just get notified when we drop our new episodes, which is on Thursday mornings. And don't forget to leave us a review over on iTunes. It helps us get into the ears of so many other teachers, but it also really helps us to kind of listen to that feedback, good, bad, whatever it is, but we like to hear from you. So until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.